Beethoven Orchestraville. Orchestraville? Where's that? You change, you change four score and seven to, to 87? A landing was made this morning on the coast of France by troops of the Allied Expeditionary Force. I don't blame them for dyeing your hair, I said, but they waited too long to embalm it. Time now for spinning my dad's vinyl. Here with all his skips, scratches, and pops is my dad, Frank Beccarello. Thanks, sweetie, and thank you for tuning into episode 82 of Spinning My Dad's Vinyl. I'm not sure there are enough superlatives available when describing the career of one Bob Newhart. From early comedy and TV, through movie voiceovers and more TV, to being one of the most memorable regulars on a recent popular TV show. So, get ready to hear the most celebrated new comedian since Attila the Hun with Volume 82, Button Down Bob. Right now, ladies and gentlemen, Bob Newhart. Thank you. Thank you very much. Uh, uh, many of you may have read The Hidden Persuaders. It's about advertising. And one of the points the book made was that the real danger of the public relations man or the advertising man was that they were creating images. And they felt that in the presidential campaigns, the candidates were really getting closer and closer together. There was no real difference between them. And you were really voting for the man. And this got me to thinking, supposing this science were as far advanced during the Civil War as it is today, and there was no Lincoln. Now the advertising people realizing this, would have had to create a Lincoln. And I think they would have gone about it something like this. This is a telephone conversation between Abe and his press agent just before Gettysburg. Uh, hi, Abe, sweetheart, how are you, kid? How's <laughs> uh, Gettysburg? Sort of a drag, huh? Well, Abe, you know them small Pennsylvania towns. <laughs> you seen one, you seen them all. <laughs> right. Uh, listen, Abe, I got to know it. What, what, what's the problem? You're, you're, you're thinking of shaving it off. Uh, Abe, uh, don't you see that's part of the image? Right, with the, with the shawl and the stovepipe at the string tie. Uh, where's the shawl, Abe? You, you left it in Washington. Uh, uh, what are you wearing, Abe? A sort of cardigan? Abe, uh, don't you see that doesn't fit with, with the, with the uh, string tie and the beard? Abe, would you, would you leave the beard on and get the shawl? Huh? Now, what's this about now? You're getting a lot of complaints on Grant's drinking, huh? Uh, Abe... To be perfectly honest with you, uh, I don't see the problem. I mean, you, you knew he was a lush when you pointed him, you see that? You're gag writers. Yeah, you're gag writers. You, you want to come back with something funny, huh? 
maybe an anecdote about a town drunk. <laughs> well, I can't promise anything, Abe. I, I, I'll get him working on it. Right, Abe, you got the speech. Abe, you haven't changed the speech, have you? Uh, Abe, what do you change the speeches for? <laughs> couple, a couple minor changes, I'll, I'll, I'll bet. All right, all right, all right, what are they? You what? You, you typed it. <laughs> Abe, uh, how many times have we told you on the backs of envelopes? <laughs> I, I understand it's harder to read that way, Abe, but it, it looks like you wrote it on the train coming down. Or something like that. <laughs> Abe, could you do this? Could you memorize it and then put it on the backs of the envelopes? <laughs> We're getting a lot of play in the press on that. How are the envelopes holding out? <laughs> You can stand another box. All right, I'll, I'll, I'll stand another box. Right. What else, Abe? You changed you change four score and seven to, to 87? I, I understand it means the same thing, Abe. Well, Abe, that's meant to be a grabber. Uh, Abe, uh, we test marketed that in an eerie, and they went out of their minds. Trust. Well, Abe, it's sort of it's sort of like Mark Anthony saying, uh, uh, "Friends, Romans, countrymen, I've got something I want to tell you." <laughs> you, see? you see what I mean, Abe? Abe. Uh, uh, what, what, what else? People will little note nor long remember. Abe, what could possibly be wrong with that? They'll remember it. Abe, they'll remember it. It's the old humble bit. But you can't say it's a great speech. I think everybody's going to remember it, Abe. But you come off a braggart, don't you see that? Hey, Abe, do the speech the way Charlie wrote it, would you? The inaugural address swung, didn't it? All right, and anything else? You talk to some newspaper men. Uh, Abe, I wish you wouldn't talk to newspaper men. Well, you always put your foot in. No, that's just what I mean, Abe. No, 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 no. You are a rail splitter, then an attorney. <laughs> Abe, it, do it doesn't make any sense that way. I mean, you wouldn't give up your law practice to become a rail splitter, don't you? Would you read the biog, Abe? You'll save a lot of trouble on this end. Uh, uh, Abe, Abe, listen, before I forget, um, um, the manufacturer is, is coming out with the Abe Lincoln t-shirt uh, on Tuesday. Uh, could, could you work that into the address somewhere, Abe? Uh, play it by ear, whatever you can do. Uh, Abe, you, have you got a pencil and paper there? Will you take this down? You can fool all of the people some of the time and some of the people all of the time. But you can't fool all the people all the time. Well, you keep doing it differently. <laughs> the, the last quote I got was, you can fool all the people all the time. And you, uh, Abe, Abe ho ho hold on, hold on. Uh, they come up with a thing on Grant. Oh, right, right. Good, good. Yeah, Paul, beautiful. Hey, listen to this. this they got a beautiful squelch on Grant. Right. The next time they bug you about Grant's drinking, you tell them you're going to find out what brandy drinks and send a case of it to all your other generals. <laughs> all right. 
uh, no, no, it's, it's uh, like, like the brand uh, was the reason he won. <laughs> no, 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 no. Uh, uh, Abe, uh, use it, it's fine. <laughs> Trust me on this, will you? Uh, Saturday, Saturday night? Oh, Abe, I'm sorry, I'm gonna, I'm gonna be in New York Saturday night. Uh, a bridge party at the White House? Oh, Abe, I'd, I'd love to make it. Uh, how about Seward? You try him? He, he'll be out of town too, huh? Oh, that's that's a, you, you 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 and uh, what's your name? Be home alone, Mary. Be home alone. Huh? Uh, listen, Abe, uh, why don't you take in a play? I'll, I'll be talking to you. So long. What an imagination, Abe Lincoln versus. Madison Avenue. Now, Newhart told a 2005 interviewer for PBS's American Masters that this was his favorite stand-up routine, the first cut on his first album. Okay, why this album for this episode? I have enjoyed Bob Newhart's work since my parents and I watched the Bob Newhart show during the early to mid-1970s. In the mid to late 1980s, I was enjoying his new show as the keeper of a Vermont inn, and I started paying way more attention to that show when a high school buddy of mine started writing for it. It was always good to see Bob in a movie or hear his voice in one, hear some of his old comedy comedy and then when he started appearing as a regular on the big bang theory as professor proton i thought what wonderful enjoyment i have gotten out of this man for more than 50 years and i'm happy to see that he is still with us as of this recording now since we're only playing four cuts from this album i'm going to now tell you about my dad's vinyl i have chosen for this episode bob newhart the button-down mind of Bob Newhart. It's on the Warner Brothers Records label, W1379. It's a vinyl LP album mono format. was released in 1960. Its genre is non-music, and its style is comedy. It was recorded live at the Tidelands Club in Houston, Texas. Now, we will hear four of the six comedy bits on this record, and a couple of them are quite long. But, now for the liner notes. You may find this hard to believe, but Bob Newhart really is an earthling. Furthermore, in my opinion, he is the funniest man I've ever met. He is warm, sensitive, and foolish about money. I was first introduced to Bob by a Chicago writer, Jim McGee, back in 57. I'll never forget that day. Now, what day was that exactly? Well, no matter. It was a black day indeed. Like Fallout, Bob Newhart, through this album, is about to be exposed to millions of unsuspecting people. I sincerely hope their reaction will not liken this event to Dillinger's last night at the Biograph, that fateful night in Chicago. Bob's history in show business is as hilarious as his material. When I first met him, he was a full-time certified public accountant. He, was, he has since worked in men's sporting goods stores, large department stores, small drug stores, and ironically enough, for the State Unemployment Compensation Board. It goes without saying that Bob's offbeat sense of humor has kept him on his toes finding new positions every six months or so. 
As far as I know, he is the only comedian in the business to have produced a taped radio show based on his own brand of humor for a market of 61 stations and managed to net $7.60 per week. This is truly one of radio's big firsts. Bob Newhart is the closest friend I have, and it is therefore difficult for me to write these lighter notes without making it appear as though I've idolized him as a performer, which, of course, I have. There was that warm day in June of last year, for example, when I watched Bob unconcernedly walk without breaking pace from Chicago to Michigan City, Indiana, on a straight line. For those not familiar with the Chicago area, it had best be explained that the straight line runs directly across Lake Michigan. His steel trap-like mind has an uncanny way of detecting the humor in those day-to-day situations of life that most of us pass off as dull and let it go at that. Like all genuinely funny men, Bob overlooks nothing. Perhaps the best way to illustrate this is to recount the scene that took place in Warner Brothers Chicago offices when Bob was first considered for a long-term contract. Before even going into any of his bits, his repartee and conversation kept the local Warner Brothers brass and myself up until 7 o'clock the next morning, after which we all repaired our stomach linings with liberal doses of Pepto-Bismol. Bob is a true craftsman in every sense of the word. His approach to humor is clean, as modern as tomorrow's newspaper, and funny as hell. If you pass him on the street, you will likely not recognize him unless you notice his two Afghan hounds, his red silk beret, his Harlequin sun sunglasses, or the fact that he is nine feet tall. Welcome to the wonderful zoo of Bob Newhart. That was written by Dan Sorkin, author of the book The Blabbermouth, or How to Be a Disc Jockey and Still Keep Your Friends. I think I need to go out and find that book now. Okay, Uh, let's take a look at what this album is selling for on Discogs.com. Came in at $2 at the highest and $0.50 at the lowest, with a dollar to average and $0.87 median. It was last sold on May 29th. 2022. My dad's record is in poor condition. You can tell he brought this album out often. I can just imagine he and my mom having people over for drinks and sitting around listening to this album, just as my friends and I sat around listening to Cheech and Chong many years later. And you'll hear plenty of scratches that don't quite lead to skips and a couple of skips in there. The cover, poor condition. It has his trademark black electrical tape holding it together along the bottom seam, and it uh, has a address label and the old one underneath it as well. So I will only be able to value my dad's record at a quarter. Not much respect for one of the best-selling comedy records ever. Next up, talk about merchandising before you're ready. Um... I got thinking about inventions. Now, inventions today are handled entirely different than they were, say, 100 years ago. They set up new product corporations, they have sales promotion firm, and they look at the invention in a business-like way. And this got me to thinking, supposing the Wright brothers had gone to a new product corporation to market their new invention called the airplane. I think if they had a guy from the sales promotion firm would have talked to him on the phone, something like this. Uh, hello, uh, who is this, Orville? Where's, where's Willard? Uh, Wilbur, I'm sorry. I, and he'll be on uh, late at the bicycle shop all week, huh? 
Uh, listen, uh, I talked to the guys here at the office and we're real excited about this thing. Uh, we really think you got something. Well, uh, we, we got a couple questions. Um, I, th I think you pretty much agree with us uh, that uh, the only way to make any loot on it is, is, to, is to start booking passengers as soon as possible. <laughs> right. Yeah, well, uh, we may pick up a little on the baggage gimmick, you know, if we, if we set it low enough, but not enough to, to make it worthwhile. Well, I, I got a couple questions. Now, all the pictures we got show either you or Wilbur uh, lying on the wings. Now, when we start booking passengers, uh, oh, they will, huh? Well, uh, I mean, if we're going to cloud them for 75, 80 bucks to the coast, you know, I don't know how they'll go for lying on the wings like that. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. I, 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 how, how many could you handle, do you suppose? Five on either side. That's top, huh? Yeah. Well, I mean, that, that, that's your end of it. I don't, I don't want to get into that. Uh, listen, is there any way of putting a John on it? Well, uh, Jerry came up with an idea, which, which I kind of like. Uh, maybe we could set up a little snob appeal thing and, and get, you know, uh, maybe two classes, one with a John, one without. You, know? you see what I mean? Yeah. It, well, uh, right away, we got two problems. Uh, obviously, how do they get back to it is the first one. And secondly, you're going to be flying over cities, you know, you know what I mean? Well, let's put it this way, bad press. You, you see what I mean? Uh, well, you, you think, uh, listen, how are things coming on the plane? Uh, at Kitty Hawk last week, how'd it go? Uh, 105 feet, huh? That's all. Do the, do the 12 guys still have to push it down the hill? They, they, they do, huh? Well, see, that's going to cut our time to the coast. I mean, if we got to land every 105 feet, you can... All right, well, listen, you work on it and, and get back to me. All right, I'll be talking to you, Orville. Goodbye. Merchandising the Wright Brothers. Now, I've been down to Kitty Hawk, so I guess that could have been an extra building in uh, the display area. I don't know. Okay, let's learn a little about the amazing story behind our featured artist. Now, there's no way I have enough time here to do his professional career justice. George Robert Newhart was born September 5th, 1929 in Oak Park, Illinois. He's an American actor and comedian known for his deadpan and slightly stammering delivery style. After World War II, Newhart worked for United States Gypsum as an accountant. He later said that his motto, that's close enough, and his habit of adjusting petty cash imbalances with his own money showed he did not have the temperament to be an accountant. In 1958, Newhart became an advertising copywriter for Fred A. Niles, a major independent film and television producer in Chicago. There, he and a co-worker entertained each other with long telephone calls about absurd scenarios, which they later recorded and sent to radio stations as audition tapes. When the co-worker ended his participation by taking a job in New York, Newhart continued the recordings alone, developing this type of routine. Dan Sorkin, a disc jockey at a radio station who later became the announcer's sidekick on Newhart's NBC series, introduced Newhart to the head of talent at Warner Brothers Records. The label signed him in 1959, only a year after it was formed, based solely on those recordings. Newhart expanded his material into a stand-up routine he began to perform at nightclubs. 
Newhart came to prominence in 1960 when this album of comedic monologues you are listening to, The Button-Down Mind of Bob Newhart, was released. It became a bestseller and the first ever comedy album to hit number one on the Billboard Pop Album Chart. It remains the 20th best-selling comedy album in history. The follow-up album, The Button-Down Mind Strikes Back, was also a success, and the two albums held the Billboard number one and number two spots simultaneously. <laughs> That's crazy. Newhart later went into acting, starring as Chicago psychologist Robert Hartley in The Bob Newhart Show during the 1970s, and then as Vermont innkeeper Dick Loudon on the 1980s series Newhart. He also had two short-lived sitcoms in the 1990s, Bob and George and Leo. Newhart had film roles, such as Major Major in Catch-22 and Papa Elf and Elf. He provided the voice of Bernard in the Disney animated films The Rescuers and The Rescuers Down Under. In 2004, he played the library head Judson in The Librarian, a character that continued uh, in 2014 on the TV series The Librarians. In 2013, Newhart made his first of six guest appearances on The Big Bang Theory as Professor Proton, for which he received his first Primetime Emmy Award on September 15, 2013. And what a great character that was. Bob will celebrate his 93rd birthday in September. Now, let's just say, as the father of a 16-year-old, I feel this next character's pain. Um, as I said, there was a thing in the paper tonight about documentaries. And I've had an idea for a long time for a, what I think is a wonderful documentary, which has everything. For instance, you go to work, you come home at night, and you never really think about it. It's mechanical, it's routine. But there are a group of men who every day, when they go to work, never know if that night they'll return because they face death in a hundred different ways. And I'm talking about America's driving instructors. <laughs> and I'd like to present the first episode in the new TV series called The Driving Instructor. Now, I'd like to have you a picture, if you would. This is a car. I'm the driving instructor, and seated next to me is a woman driver. How do you, how do? You do? Uh, you're, you're Mrs. Uh, Webb, is that right? Uh, oh, I see you've had one lesson already. Uh, who is the instructor on that, Mrs. Webb? Mis Mr. Adams. I'm sorry, here it is, Mr. Adams. Uh, just let me read ahead and kind of familiarize myself with, with the case. Um, how fast were you going when Mr. Adams jumped from the car? <laughs> 75? <laughs> and, and, and where was that? In, in your driveway. <laughs> Uh, how, how far had Mr. Adams gotten in the lesson? Back, backing out. <laughs> I see you were backing out at, at 75, and, and that's when he that's when he jumped. <laughs> uh, did he cover starting the car and the other way of stopping? <laughs> uh, what, what's the other way of stopping? Uh, thro throwing it in reverse. That, that's right. <laughs> Oh, that would do it. You're right. That would do it. Um, all right. Uh, you want you want to start the car? 
Uh, Mrs. Webb, you just turned on the lights. You want to you start the car? <laughs> they all look alike, don't they? <laughs> they I, I don't know why they design them that way. Um, all right, let, let's pull out into traffic. Uh, now, what's the first thing we're going to do before we pull out into traffic? What did Mr. Adams do before he let you pull out into traffic? Well, I mean, besides praying, let's say. No, what I had in mind was checking the rear view mirror. You, you see, we always want to check the rear view. Don't pull out! <laughs> uh, please don't cry. I, I, I'm sorry. Uh, but, but there was this bus, Mrs. Webb. Uh, all right, uh, the, lane, the lane is clear now. Uh, you you, you want to pull out? Oh, uh, no, that, that wasn't uh, bad at all. You might try it a little slower uh, uh, next time. Uh, all right, let's get up a bit more speed and, and gradually ease it, ease it into second. Well, uh, I, I didn't want to cover reverse this early. But uh, as, long, as long as you've shifted into it... Uh, of course you're nervous. Uh, I'm nervous. Uh, I'm not just saying that. I'm, re I'm really very nervous. Well, uh, just, just don't pay any attention to their honking. You, you, you're doing fine. You're not blocking anyone's lane. No, as long as you're here on the safety island, you're not blocking anyone's lane. Uh, all right, you want to start the car? Um, uh, while you're turning the lights off, why don't you turn off the heater? <laughs> All right, there we are. Uh, let's let's get up a, a bit of speed. That's the way. Now, let's practice some turns. Uh, the important thing on turns is not to make them too sharp. Just kind of make a, a gradual... Oh, now that was fine. Uh, that, that was a wonderful turn. It, it's hard for me to believe you only had two lessons after you make a, a turn like... Are you sure you haven't had more now? <laughs> well, it, I, I find that very difficult to believe. One little thing, uh, this is a one-way street. <laughs> well, no, no, actually it was partially my fault, you see, but uh, you were in the left-hand lane and you were signaling left, and uh, I just more or less assumed you, you were going to turn left. <laughs> uh, same, same to you, fella. No, no, I, I, I don't know what he said, Mrs. Webb. Uh, all right, let, let's pull into the alley up there uh, and practice a little alley driving. This is uh, this, this is something a, a lot of the a lot of the schools leave out that we think is is pretty. You're going too fast, Mrs. Webb. <laughs> you're you're up around sixty, and it's kind of a sharp turn there. All right, let's just drive down the alley. That's the way, uh, Mrs. Webb. I maybe we better stop here. Well, I don't think you're going to make it between the, the, the truck and the building. <laughs> Mrs. Webb? I, I, Mrs. Webb, I don't, th I don't think you're going to... Mrs. Webb! Miss, I, re I, I really didn't think you were going to make it. <laughs> that just shows you we, we, we can be wrong, too. No, no, I'll, I'll get out on your side. That's all right. Um... Uh, Mrs. Webb, uh, maybe it might be a good idea if we went over to the driving area. Uh, they, they have a student uh, driver area over uh, a few blocks away, and uh, maybe traffic throws you. Maybe, maybe that's the problem. Well, turn here on the street, right, and it's only about a block up. All right, turn right here. 
Well, now, that was my fault again. You see, I meant the next street. <laughs> not, not this man's lawn. Uh, uh, sir? 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 Sir, would you mind turning off the sprinkler, please? For just a minute. Uh, uh, newly seated? Is, is that right? <laughs> that's, that's always the way, isn't it? <laughs> well, I don't, I don't suppose it is so funny. Is it? <laughs> Uh, all right, uh, Mrs. Webb, you, you, want, you want to back out uh, and get off the, the man's creeping bent, is that right? Uh, yeah, just, just back out, uh, Mrs. Webb. Thank you very much, sir, for... Oh, now we hit someone, Mrs. Webb. Uh, remember, you're going to watch the rearview mirror. Remember, uh, we covered that. The, the, the red light blinded you. The flashing red light blinded you? The flashing red light on the car you hit blinded you. Yes, officer, she was just telling me about it. Uh, all right, all right. Um, Mrs. Webb, I'm going to have to go with the officer to the police station. Uh, they don't believe it, and, and they'd like um, they'd like me to describe it. And now the other officer is going to get in the car, and he's going to drive you back to the driving school, and then you're to meet us uh, at the police station. Uh, my name is, is Frank Dexter. Why, why do you ask? You want to be sure and get me next time? <laughs> It's The Driving Instructor, a pilot script for a new TV series. Time now for this episode's interesting side note, and it has to do with how a high school friend of mine made the final scene of Newhart one of the most memorable series finales in TV history. From 1982 to 1990, Newhart starred in a second hit sitcom called simply Newhart. He played the character Dick Loudon, a Vermont-based innkeeper who finds himself surrounded by strange employees, neighbors, and competitors, including Larry Darrell and Darrell, who I worked with during a charity event in 1985. My friend Dan is now an Emmy Award-winning TV writer and producer. His Emmys are with Cheers, Frasier, and Modern Family. But before that, he worked with his longtime idol, Bob Newhart, on Newhart. He and I had always stayed in touch, and he called to tell me to make sure I was watching the last episode of Newhart because there was going to be some real fun. The show had a very famous ending where the entire series is, quote, revealed to be a dream of Robert Hartley, Newhart's character from his first sitcom, The Bob Newhart Show. Were you watching, or do you remember this? Honey... Honey, wake up. You you won't believe the dream I just had. Mm. But don't you want to hear about it?
Bob. What is it? Well, I, I was an innkeeper in this crazy little town in Vermont. I'm happy for you. Good night. No, nothing, nothing made sense in this place. I mean, the, the, the maid was an heiress. Her, her husband talked in alliteration. The, the handyman kept missing the, the point of things. And then there were these three woodsmen, but <laughs> only one of them talked. That settles it. No more Japanese food before you go to bed. <laughs> People still talk about it. The ending is still referenced in popular culture. It was all my friend Dan's idea. And I love hearing him tell the story about how he presented it to the other writers and producers. He also got me on as an extra on Cheers a year later. But that's another story for another time. Well, I hope you enjoyed this episode as much as I enjoyed bringing it to you. There can't be many Americans alive today that haven't heard, seen, or at least heard of Bob Newhart. It was a real joy listening to this album that kicked off this incredible career that has entertained all of us for so long. And I'm really glad my dad had it in his collection. Now... Let's take another phone call. I got thinking about baseball and how games are marketed today. You know, you go to a game manufacturer and they figure everything out and decide whether the game is right for, for the public or not, and then they market it. And it got me to thinking, supposing Abner Doubleday had called one of the game manufacturers with this new invention of his called baseball. Now, I think a phone conversation would have taken place Something like this. Hello, Olympic Games. What, what can I do for you, Mr. Double-A? You, you, you've got a game. How many couples? Eight, 18 people? That's a lot of people. Well, the ideal game is, I mean, uh, two, three couples, you know, uh, come over to the house, they get a little smashed, and, uh, you know... <laughs> You can't play it in the house either. I see you got two things uh, right there against you. All right, all right, tell, tell, tell me about it. All right, you, you, got, you got nine guys on each side. Yeah. And you got a pitcher and a catcher. And they, and they throw this ball back and forth. And that's all there is to it? All right. A guy from the other side stands between them with a bat. I see. And he just watches him. Oh, I see. He swings at it. He may or he may not swing at it. De depending on what. If it looked like it were a ball. Uh, what's a ball, Mr. Doubleday? You you've got this plate. Uh-huh. And as long as it's above the knees... <laughs> But below the shoulders. Yeah. No, no, go ahead. I'm listening. Yeah. It, it's a strike. Three, three strikes and you're out. And three balls. Not, not three balls. Four balls. Why four balls, Mr. Double? 
Nobody's ever asked you before. <laughs> or he may hit it. If he hits it, whatever. <laughs> he, he runs as far as he can before somebody catches it. As long as it stays what? As long as it stays fair. <laughs> and what's, what's, what's fair, Mr. Double You've got these two white lines? Is this a rib? Is this one of the guys in the office? What is it? <laughs> Mr. Double A, uh, that's, that's the most complicated game I've ever heard in my life. For, forget it. <laughs> right. Uh, Mr. Double A, listen though. You come up with anything, two, three couples, you'll be sure and let us know, huh? <laughs> All right, Mr. Double A, I'll be talking. Right. When you put it that way, nobody will ever play baseball. And there you have selections from the first ever comedy album to hit number one on the Billboard Pop Album Chart. So thanks for tuning in to Volume 82, Button Down Bob However You Did. If you want more information about this show, head over to spinningmydadsvinyl.com. I will be back next week with all my skips, scratches, and pops for a 78 RPM Sunday with Volume 83, Tuscanini Conducts Belios. Until then, go with the flow, my friends. Thank you.